0: He charged me with resisting arrest. Has, get that confidence in jail. I object. Everybody, welcome back to Allegedly Bravo. I'm your host, Lauren. Last week, we all suffered. I don't know, suffered? were exhilarated by? I'm not really sure what word we would use here, but by the scandal that swept the nation. I mean there was a ticker on CNN regarding this thing. There were people asking me about this that didn't even watch Vanderpump Rules. I mean, it just really did rock this entire nation. I did an episode about what would happen with Sandoval and Ariana if they broke up and what would it mean if Skandaval defaulted on his loan, so on and so forth. So go check out that episode if you haven't already. I thought it was interesting. If I don't say so myself. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and the Instagram if you want to stay in the loop of all things that are going on in the wonderful world of Bravo. And I mean, the legal matters have just blown off the charts this week. There's so much news that today is gonna just. It has to be a roundup. We have to go through all of the things that are going on because I just I can't keep up. And as much as I have been obsessed with the scandal of it all, there are full-on shows dedicated to breaking this entire thing down. For example go head over to Bravo and Blaze. She's got like a three-part series on Scandaval. I believe she's going to, I believe she's talked to, I don't know. She's going to be on some show for it. Um, Check out my episode over on Can We Talk About Pod, my other podcast with Leah Classic Sky Tops. Those, Those shows will go into so much detail about everything you need to know let you know who these people are, so on and so forth. But this is a law show. And at the end of the day, while we are just here to have fun, we also have to talk about the law, right? And that's like what my favorite part of this whole thing is. Um, But before we get into talking about the law, I just wanted to say thank you to the wonderful hosts over at the Rumor Mill pod, they had me on their show this weekend, so go check that out on YouTube or Instagram where they had it streaming. It's, it was really fun. I would go check that out if you don't follow them already. And one more thing that must be discussed. I made some jokes on the Instagram that seemed to have sparked a bit of confusion. Just a little bit. So I need to take this opportunity to just clear my name here for a second Because, boy, you guys are strict. I posted a thing to my grid that went over cease and desist letters. Okay, I I called them cist and deceased letters. And that's because other housewives... And including Mr. Tom Sandoval, who called himself a cyst man, um, they don't use the words correctly. They don't use the word cease and desist correctly. They say silly things like cyst and deceased. So I was making a joke. I wanna let you know, I do know what those words are. I do know what a cease and desist is. I graduated from law school. I write appellate briefs for a living. I'm not an idiot. I swear we're just here to have fun, and that means we get to crack a few jokes, like "cyst and Deceased, because it's funny, and I really feel like laughing, okay? So thank you for your concern, but I do know what a cease and desist is. Um, so this is going to be our Bravo Legal Roundup. We're going to be talking all about Brandy Glanville's letter to Shed Media, because if you don't know, now you know. Remember when Brandy allegedly was caught canoodling inappropriately in some sort of sexual situation with uh, Miss Caroline Manzo? Well, Brandy's lawyers have spoken, and we are going to go through that letter, read it, and see what the hell these people are talking about. What's the truth? What's the 411? What are the hot new jams? The next one we do have to talk about. I'm sorry if you're sick of Tom Tom. But we have to talk about the fact that Pump and Tom Tom have both had their liquor licenses suspended. Now, this is important news because Pump and Tom Tom are bars. Okay, they must have liquor or a license, at least to sell it or else like what are you going to do? You know, the next thing we're going to talk about is Rachel's restraining order against Sheena Shea. Um, so something crazy happened and I recorded for about 45 minutes after that last sentence and none of it captured. So please bear with me while I start again. Okay, we're going to be talking about Tom Sandoval. I'm sorry, Tom. God, there are so many fucking Toms. Tom Girardi in the California bar. uh, They did some investigating. They did some reporting. And we're going to talk about it. And Jen Shaw reports from jail. I mean, prison. She reported from prison. Before we get through that, I just needed to say that I heard a rumor in two separate places One was on Instagram and then one was on TikTok that Tom Sandoval smells bad. And when I say smells bad, what I mean is he smells like poopy. He doesn't smell good at all. He doesn't smell like alcohol or whatever. He just smells bad. Like bleh. I heard that rumor. I heard that rumor confirmed. And then I started rewatching these episodes through the eyes of Tom Sandoval smelling bad And it has changed everything. I'm on season eight right now. And there was a part where Tom and Tom and Todd and Lisa are inside of the new Tom Tom location. And they're going to do construction. And they're talking about the building permits. And Tom Sandoval walks up to Lisa. And Lisa goes, oh, you stink. And that just completely... Absolutely confirmed it for me. So I implore you to continue watching if you are Vanderpump Rules through the eyes of Tom Sandoval smells like poop. I'm going to. I think it'll be fun. So our first story is that Brandy Glanville's lawyers have issued a letter to Shed Media and Warner Brothers. So apparently, while apparently while they were filming the Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip, Brandy Glanville allegedly grabbed Caroline Manzo's boobies, her bubbies, and tried to kiss her. Um, but other stories have come out, like accusing Brandy of doing a lot more than that, and of the a lot more than that being very aggressive and sexual in nature. So, um, very confused. About whatever's going on there. None of the footage has been released at all, not in an advertisement, not an accidental leak, nothing. I personally am always a little bit weary about these pre production rumors because I feel like they're put out there to gin up some sort of traction for these shows. And so when they put these rumors out there, I'm just kind of like, because now everyone's like, well, I got to see, did Brandy really touch Caroline Manzo? And it's like, maybe, but maybe not. Uh, I'm going to read the letter that her attorney sent. It's fucking long. And by the way, remember when I said that I recorded a bunch of stuff and it didn't record? I recorded the whole entire fucking letter. So I've already read this out loud once. (laughs) Bear with me if I get tongue-tied. To me, it screams that a defamation lawsuit is incoming. Um, it talks about eyewitnesses. It uses a lot of words that I would use like in a complaint, um, like filing a lawsuit, etc. and so forth. My thoughts are Brandy is going to sue for defamation. <laughs> it would be insane, but let's... Let's read this letter. I might skip a few parts that are not important just because I've already read it, but I'll put it on the website. It says it is with great disappointment that Brandy Glanville has been forced to retain this firm to address the false and defamatory statement story about inappropriate sexual activity that has been propagated in the media and given oxygen by Shed Media and Warner Brothers. It is absolutely unacceptable that your company would knowingly and willingly allow such a story to take hold in the media without any regard for the truth or the impact on Miss Glanville's reputation. So that is such a lawyer sentence The knowingly and willingly screams, we can prove actual malice. So if you listen a couple episodes ago, maybe 20 episodes ago, and there was an episode on defamation of Allegedly Bravo, not of whatever show Brandy's on. And we talk about all the different things that you have to prove in order to be successful in your defamation. And if you're a famous person or someone who's out and about in the media, um, you have to prove or have to show that, guess what? The person who said all these defamatory lies did it knowing that this was all fake and didn't even care if it was true or how it would impact um, Brandy's reputation. So to me, this is screaming, screaming. I'm gonna sue you. Okay, let's continue on with this narrative that Brandy Glanville has put us all in. You are in possession of audio and video recordings that clearly demonstrate that Miss Glanville acted appropriately and within the bounds of the law. Hmm, Brave, brave sentence to say. I would never, ever say, like, my client was absolutely acting in the bounds of the law. I don't know. Would I? That's a bold statement. I'm sure they could find something illegal. Your company is aware that three eyewitnesses corroborate her actions, yet Shed Media and Warner Brothers has chosen to sit idly by and let this false narrative continue. It is shocking that companies of your stature would engage in such a cynical ploy for ratings. What is even more disturbing is that Shed Media has instructed Brandy Glanville not to seek legal representation or take any action to correct the public record. Oh my God, that's really bad. You should always get a lawyer. And if anyone tells you not to get a lawyer, go get a lawyer even faster. This behavior is simply unacceptable. We demand that Shed Media and Warner Brothers immediately release the full video and audio tapes and other documentation in your possession regarding Miss Glanville's completely consensual interaction with Miss Manzo. We are naming it on the front page, people. We brought her name into it. We will not stand idly by and allow this unjust treatment of Miss Glanville to continue. We expect a prompt response from Shun Media and Warner Brothers and we are prepared to take all necessary legal action to protect Miss Glanville's rights and reputation. Although it is quite obvious, my client is facing a serious accusation of sexual assault, and I want to emphasize that this is not a trivial matter that can be tr- uh, brushed aside. While I appreciate that you take sexual assault claims seriously, I hope that you will also recognize the importance of addressing false claims and defamation in today's climate where baseless accusations can have severe consequences for an individual's career and reputation in the interest of fairness and justice. I urge you to release the evidence that will clear Miss Glanville's name. So this attorney is coming out and is like, this is clearly going to be false. This is defamation. We're talking about today's climate. Um, Defamation is having a total moment right now. Defamation is so hot right now. I mean, just look at the Johnny Depp trial and there's a lot of big things happening. How that happened with the who was the part, the magazine it was in? Was it in Vanity Fair? I can't even recall, but that's a big a big time magazine, you know? So this is a big time television show. Let's see what what part is just creative control for a show and which part is defamatory that's a fine line that I bet a court would want to really talk about so this guy continues and by the way this guy continues forever so sorry to the person who says I go on and on unfortunately this is a podcast and I will have to continue going on and on it's just the point Yolanda as the audio and video will clearly demonstrate, the accusations leveled against Miss Glanville in the media are unfounded and inconsistent with her actions during the evening in question. Upon information and belief, the other women present did not witness any signs of inappropriate sexual activity by Miss Glanville, and your production crew, with good reason, did not once intervene, leading many there legitimately to question the validity of these claims. Not only did the eyewitnesses ask Miss Manzo if she was okay, to which she responded with a smile and thumbs up, but after the alleged bathroom incident, the bathroom incident, when the group returned to the dinner table, Miss Manzo made a lighthearted comment to the eyewitnesses about having been kissed by a girl before, but never having kissed back until now. So it seems like Brandy's attorney is really taking this moment to use this lawyer letter to really set the record straight. It's almost a PR strategy, in my opinion, because she's like getting her side of the story out um, in print from an attorney. You know, it kind of has a little oof than like, oh, page six reported, even though whatever. But page six is, you know. It's not a lawyer letter. Your companies know full well that throughout the entire party, the evening in question, Miss Manzo and Miss Glanville were seen flirting and touching playfully, with both women enjoying each other's company. Witnesses with whom your companies spoke directly reported that nothing happened in the bathroom that was any different from the rest of the evening. And upon information and belief, Miss Manzo appeared to be clearly enjoying herself throughout the night. Oh, that's sexy. In fact, she had been open throughout her. She had been open throughout about her liberal views on sex and was actively participating in the party's playful atmosphere. The night in question was one that was egged on by your own producers who earlier in the same day. Encouraged Miss Glanville to bring some, quote, excitement to the party. When Miss Manzo arrived at the main house, the two women spent time together enjoying some shots, laughter, and dancing with the other women. It is beyond contention that you provided nonstop alcohol and the environment where the participants were drinking and smoking marijuana all day and all night. I said it before and I'll say it again. Fuck this guy for writing that in this letter. How dare you? That's what makes this show fun. And the fact that you would even say anything about the fact that these women were nonstop drinking. Like, bitch, why do you think it's called the Berserk Because there's way too much alcohol. I'm just worried that because of this guy, they're going to start putting a limit on the alcohol like they did with The Bachelor. Because, ugh. I don't, if I wanted to watch a bunch of grown women acting appropriately, I'd like, I don't know, go to dinner and like, look around. I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch that. Um, so F you, sir. At one point, Miss Glanville gave flirty lap dances to some of the women present. The atmosphere was lively and everyone was engaging in playful touching and dancing Miss Glanville even gave Miss Manzo a playful peck on the lips a couple of times. Throughout the evening, upon information and belief, Miss Manzo continued to be outspoken about her liberal views on sex. As the evening went on, she indulged in shots and playful flirting with Miss Glanville, which included a number of consensual kisses and touches. Their interactions were affectionate and mutual. Okay, here's the thing. So far, it seems like everyone's saying that this is consensual. Even Miss Manzo seems to be, this is consensual. I just want to say the sentence that keeps being repeated about Miss Manzo continued to be outspoken on her liberal views on sex. Okay, a lot of people are outspoken about being very liberal in their views on sex. I am. It's none of my business what you do in the bedroom. Go do you. I mean, my God, get a butt plug up there and just go to town. I don't give a fuck. But that doesn't mean that you can just assault me. You know what I mean? It's like just because Miss Manzo is like a little bit more liberal doesn't mean that she can't feel uncomfortable. And so that's where I'm kind of. Also, you don't really get to tell people just because they consensually kissed you before doesn't mean that. Every kiss thereafter is then consensual. So while we are having fun reading this, we have to just kind of remember where we're at. Okay, so during the party, a snake charmer arrived because they're in Morocco, not the plaza. And the women eagerly picked up and even kissed some of the snakes. Okay, here's just one more thing I have to say. Just because you kiss some snakes does not mean you can, you know, you're then open to being assaulted it's just <laughs> that's not it and also um kissing the snakes like sorry sir this was a little a little much to bring up in this letter what what was your point that they consensually kiss snakes like that was weird i think it was to set the scene for the rest of what's to come because this seems like the incident at hand so after they picked up and kissed these snakes They all wanted to wash their hands and headed to the bathroom in Miss Rossi's room. So they're in Gretchen's room. okay? Miss McCord, which is Alex McCord from Real Housewives of New York City. Miss Rossi, which is Gretchen Rossi from Real Housewives of Orange County. Miss Glanville and Miss Manzo were still in high spirits giggling and flirting. In that bathroom, as the audio will confirm, nothing inappropriate or illegal whatsoever occurred. As you know, both from your interviews and the audio and the video that you possess, the four women washed their hands before returning to the party where they enjoyed some food and chatted. Throughout, Miss Manzo appeared to be having a great time and didn't telegraph any signs whatsoever that she wanted Miss Glanville to leave her side. Overall. The entire incident was comprised of some flirtatious conduct and kissing between Miss Manzo and Miss Glanville, and all of it was absolutely mutual and consensual. That Mrs. Glanville has now been accused of sexually assaulting Mrs. Manzo is ludicrous and absolutely uncorroborated by the other witnesses and by the audio tape. Your own production crew did not intervene because Miss Manzo did not appear to be in distress in any way. They are very much repeating this. It's starting to get repetitive. We'll finish the letter and then I'll give you my thoughts. Not only that, but upon information and belief, this was not the first time on the Morocco trip that Mrs. Manzo acted in this manner. Hmm. What does that mean? For example, the day prior to the evening in question, Miss Manzo openly invited the other women to touch and feel her breasts to dispel any rumors that they were fake. She proudly declared they were real and dense and several of the women confirmed it by feeling them. Again, you can grab my boobs and feel that they're real, but that doesn't mean that you can just assault me. I'm just saying. Moreover, it is outrageous that shed media and Warner brothers having found nothing to substantiate its own, Decision to send Miss Glanville home early from filming, so I guess she got sent home early. Is now attempting to insinuate that Miss Glanville engaged in sexual harassment with an entirely different individual, a producer who has openly disavowed any involvement in this matter. Nothing could be further from the truth. Now there's a producer involved. And Ms. Glanville has significant evidence that Shed Media and Warner Brothers is engaged in a bait-and-switch. Shed Media and Warner Brothers claims to take sexual harassment and assault allegations seriously, but it appears that you didn't even verify whether Ms. Glanville had completed the sexual harassment course that you had assigned. Furthermore, there appears to be a double standard at play— as my client has been found, quote, guilty of sexual harassment towards a producer, while another housewife's alleged comments the previous day about wanting to engage in sexual activity with the same producer have been blatantly ignored. Was the other housewife subjected to a thorough investigation at the same level of media scrutiny as my client? It is unacceptable for Shed Media and Warner Brothers to continue to hold this evidence for ratings purposes and sit by while Miss Glanville's reputation is torn apart. You know the truth, and we hereby make immediate demand that Shed Media and Warner Brothers releases the audio and video footage from that evening. It is outrageous that Shed Media and Warner Brothers would allow these malicious and defamatory allegations to hold in the media for no reason other than to gin up ratings for its upcoming show. I said gin up earlier. I didn't even read that part. The audio and video footage must be released immediately so that the truth can be revealed. Miss Glanville reserves all rights to pursue loss of wages and other redress. Be guided accordingly. Sincerely yours, Duncan P. Levin S. So to me, this screams, we're going to sue you. They don't even care if anyone reads this because it's so long and the text is so wide. It takes up literally the entire page. The margins are like a quarter of an inch thick. It's ridiculous. Um, And uh, I'm very curious as to what Brandy has to say. I'm curious as to what Shed Media has to say. This letter was sent on March 7th. Today is March 12th, 2023. It's a Sunday. And so far I've heard nothing. Obviously, not going to be okay. Hurry, let me quickly release this. They're going to have a back and forth. We probably won't see anything for a little bit. But I find that to be really interesting. And that's the legal news over there. My my thoughts are they're really going to press this one. Because if it does go to trial, I mean, this would be one insane lawsuit. Like Murdoch who? Murdoch who? Unfortunately, I do think that they will figure out a settlement. And because we all want to see this program, we all want to see it. So stay tuned. I'll keep you guys apprised of the situation at hand. Story number two, Tom Tom and Pump have lost their liquor licenses, both Tom Tom and Pump have let their liquor licenses lapse. Okay, that's a that's a tongue twister. But also, like, what the fuck, you guys? You guys sell alcohol. You're a bar. You can't let your liquor licenses lapse like that. So the WeHo Times reported that the Alcohol and Beverage Control, A.K.A. ABC, um, like took away pump's licenses. So, this is what I found out when I was reading the licenses. Pump Lounge is owned by P U M P LLC. And the reason I spelled out P U M P instead of just saying Pump is that it's P period U period M period P period LLC. I want to know does Pump stand for something? That's what I need to know. What is the P, the U, the M, and the P for? Because I was under the impression that it was Pump Lounge like Vander Pump. But this little periods in between all these letters makes me think that we're missing something. So Pump LLC owns Pump Lounge. And TomTom Tom is owned by Pinky Beverly Hills LLC. So when companies or when people are owning businesses like a bar, for example, since that's what we're talking about. We'll use Tom Tom. Tom and Tom and Lisa and Ken are in business together with Tom Tom. So instead of being like, oh, we'll draft up a little contract and we'll have to do really hard math every time we want to withdraw money, they just say, Let's start a company, and in this company you will be a 10% owner, and I will be a 90% owner. And we'll disperse our equity as such. And the only thing that the LLC, in this instance, Pinky Beverly Hills, will be held by is TomTom. So TomTom will be like the only thing that the LLC operates. Unless something else happens, but I don't know. But just to keep it simple, Pinky Beverly Hills is probably comprised of Todd and Lisa. Or whatever the fuck his name is. Ken and Lisa. And Tom and Tom. That makes sense. But that's why I'm like, well, how did both of these liquor licenses lapse like this? If they're owned by two different companies. I don't know. It takes about six weeks to process payments and like have the portal updated. And as someone who used to live in California, that's like, that's like the time when you can start complaining and they might listen to you. You know, it's like, oh, it might take six weeks. It might take six weeks. It might never happen. And you're just going to have to live with that. It's just bureaucracy, but it'll probably show up. I don't know. Their Instagrams don't say that they're closed. So that's why I'm not too sure if this is an issue. But I had heard that the issue was, well, and this is per a blog and I'll just read it from the blog itself. During a routine inspe- inspection by the Alcohol Beverage Control, it was revealed that several violations related to the sell and service of alcohol, including the sell of alcohol to minors. I just said sell like um, one of the sister wives or one of the Real Housewives of Utah. Oh, maybe I'm turning into one. Well, so apparently they're selling alcohol to minors. The violations occurred between July and September of 2022. Okay, but it's March. At, at what point is like uh, is the crime over? you know, did they just stop in September 22? The suspension went into effect on March 8th. So what happened between September 22nd and March 8th? I don't think that that's fair. If they got in trouble for things in July and September, now they're just gonna suspend them now. Did they have a hearing on this thing? I'd love to know. Anyway, it will remain in place until the issues are resolved. So maybe this issue is resolved and the website's not up yet, like updated. I'm not too sure. But here's the thing I called TomTom and I called Pump. I called them both and neither of them answered. So I couldn't get you any information beyond that. I could keep trying. But they're closed on Monday and Tuesday and they were not about to take my call on Saturday or Sunday. They're harder to get in to than the passport office, which is another another bureaucracy little shindig that is really hard to process. While we're in the neighborhood of West Hollywood, we need to just stay here for a second and talk about Rachel, aka Raquel LeVice from Vanderpump Rules, filed a civil harassment. Restraining order against Sheena Shea. Oh, my God. So for those of you who don't watch Vanderpump Rules, Raquel, a.k.a. Rachel, they're used synonymously, was the other woman that broke up this really iconic couple that was named Tom and Ariana. Ariana's best friend is Sheena Shea. Sheena Shea and Raquel, the other woman, were together when news broke that... Ariana found out about the affair. Turns out, allegedly, according to Rachel, Sheena Shea found out about the cheating and punched Rachel in the face. Now, here's the thing. Things have been coming out now that are like, well, Rachel actually had this black eye. Because a a story or a post came out with the black eye. The photos were released. There were a couple photos. Some were glam. Some were lit. Some were not. Some were makeup. I One had glasses. But then stories started to come out that Rachel might have had this black eye before Watch What Happens Live. Which is important because Watch What Happens Live is our time anchor for this situation. Because that's when, after Watch What Happens Live, is when allegedly Sheena hit Rachel. But now people are saying that she had this black eye. So I don't know. This is really an issue of facts, if you ask me. So what's a restraining order? Well, civil harassment restraining order is the type of restraining order that you can file against someone who you're not closely related to. Um and there you've not been intimate with them so like this is your landlord hopefully your neighbor or like a coworker maybe you've been intimate with them but if you have been intimate with any of those types of people it would be a domestic violence restraining order. You're not always domestic with a bunch of people so because Sheena and Rachel are coworkers as people on watch what Happ- on <laughs> Vanderpump Rules. She can have a civil harassment restraining order. So a civil harassment restraining order can be granted against someone who has harassed, stalked, threatened, or harmed another person emotionally or physically. So she can be like, I'm scared. Um, I'm emotionally harmed or physically harmed. The judge can grant the re- the restraining order to protect someone, their family members, and their pets. So, she, I don't, I didn't see that she asked the court to protect Graham Cracker as well. But if she was afraid that Sheena Shea could attack Graham Cracker, then Rachel could have asked the court to also protect Graham Cracker. So the police are the people who enforce the restraining orders, not the court. So once you have the paper, if The person is restrained. So say the the whole restraining order gets totally granted. For a permanent like one year restraining order. If Gina did approach Rachel or come within 100 feet of her. Then she would have to call the police and the police would get involved. She can get arrested for it um, for violating a restraining order. So dad's not good. Last. I mean not last second to Last. So I think that makes it number four, Tom Girardi and the California bar update. Oh my God, Tom. It's like this, this story gets just worse and worse and worse. And quite frankly, I don't know how the California bar ever recovers from this. Like, I just don't get it. They had such a hand in Mr. Girardi's fraud for all of these years. And then we're just supposed to expect that they're doing the right thing by all of the citizens of California and making sure that upstanding lawyers are admitted to the bar. I don't think so. I have some questions. So the California bar did two investigations. And in these investigations, two reports were prepared. I'll post them on the website, along with that long-ass fucking letter I read from Brandy Glanville's attorney. Um, But in these reports, two things happened. First, report identified numerous instances in which people uh, and complaints, like people who filed complaints against Tom for some reason or another, maybe for stealing or this or that or the other thing, so numerous instances in which complaints were closed without complete investigations, or despite the fact that the development of facts warranted discipline. So that means that they could have done investigations and they didn't. They just, the state bar just closed out complaints against Tom with no ifs, ands or buts, no looking into it. Just like, eh, okay, bye. Or they, did the investigation, they were like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Tom should get in trouble for this. And instead of getting Tom in trouble for this, they just kind of looked the other way. So the first report talks all about that. The second report details the instances where Tom Girardi had um, bought relationships uh, to exercise influence at the state bar at all levels that likely impacted the handling of some complaints against him and causing those complaints to be closed inappropriately. So the second report is more so about the people that Tom interacted with at the bar that, you know, really helped him perpetuate his fraudulent scheme. And they said it was at all levels. The people at the state bar at all levels so that means high up executives down to just regular worker bees. I, that's crazy. I just don't understand how the FBI needs to go look into that, if you ask me, because I don't understand how we're supposed to just like, like oh, they did a little report. I guess this is not happening with anyone else and will never happen again. Uh, what? We better look into all of these reports and see Who else is Tom Girardi? Because Tom Girardi isn't the first Tom Girardi. Look at Alec Murdoch. Alec Murdoch was a liar and a thief and an alcoholic as well. And so I think that this is a little more prevalent than maybe we're letting on. So here are some of the findings. I'm not going to mention them all because I'm starting to get tongue twisted. But the former state bar employee named Tom Layton, who was terminated in 2015, and his wife received gifts and payments estimated at over $1 million. And those gifts or payments were never disclosed. So Tom just, like, gave this guy and his wife a million bucks. Okay. Must be nice. Former executive director Joe Dunn. So that's a big high level who was terminated in 2014, um, made questionable terminations of two different attorneys who were advocating for disciplinary actions against Tom. So once they had some whistleblowers, they just fired them. Uh, Okay, that feels a little um, untrustworthy. I would say, to say the least. So some actions have already been put in place. The state bar says, look, we already took some efforts. They outline them. I'm not going to get into them because who fucking cares? I care, but we don't care. We care about Tom. Um, but they also say that after its members, like the members of the board of the state bar, after they fully consider these reports, they're going to make other recommendations for the public to comment on. So they're like, um. Thank you for listening, and we have nothing to say. Okay, last up, we have the reason this entire show even started, Miss Jennifer Shaw. This week, Jen Shaw seemingly started writing her prison memoirs and publishing them through her little website and through Instagram. So I have a question for all of you people who I will not call an idiot, but I do have to know. I'm checking in on you. All the ones who gave your email address over to Jen Shaw, what kind of emails have you received from her? I imagine you haven't maybe received any. I don't know. Please fill me in. I'd love to know. Um, But I went on her website that that people signed up with their emails on. And just so you know, you can write Jen, and she put her prison mailbox on there, so I'm going to give you the information, just in case you guys want to write to Jen Shaw. It's Jennifer Shaw, number 37357-509, Bryan Federal Prison Camp, P.O. Box 2149, Bryan, Texas, 7-7-8-0-5. Please let me know if she ever writes you back. If you do write to her. She has two journal entries out so far. You can read them, whatever. You can watch Sharif read them if you want. There's really a lot of options for you. I won't be reading them. But I'll give you the gist. So the gist of letter number one is about her going into prison camp and pulling over because she was freaking out and she was FaceTiming her kids and crying and they were reassuring her that everything was going to be okay. And she says, My worst fear and the unimaginable was about to happen, having to say goodbye to my sweet husband and precious baby Omar. He'll always be my baby even though he is a senior in high school. Okay, so (laughs) that, I don't know why that makes me laugh because I think because it reminds me of Meredith Marks and her son Brooks Marks and the boy, the guys over at Watch What Crappens are always like, oh yeah, my toddler Brooks. And I just think that like Jen's trying to go there with Omar, but it's just not working. Um. So then she goes on and on and on and on and on about what it was like to check in and this and that and the other thing. And, oh, I cried. And a lot of expose about the crying. This is the last paragraph of her first letter from prison. I approached I approach a window outside of a building and am asked to say my name and Bureau of Prisons identification number. We then walk across the yard to open doors where my reality will now be federal prison camp. I turn to get one last glance at my husband and son. I wave at them for the last time before I enter the doors. Okay. Prison sucks. Prison sucks. Letter 2. Kashanna, whose nickname is Special K, also surrendered with me yesterday. We've kind of stuck together the first full day as we both walked in shocked and stunned and scared, trying to figure out where to go from here. She talks about her breakfast. Uh, It was a brown bag breakfast, and it had one piece of wheat bread, an apple, two packets of jelly, and one packet of instant oatmeal. She ate the bread. Um, and kept the rest for later just in case she got hungry. She said she took a really emotionally traumatizing nap. She goes into a bunch of expose and then finally she's like, oh, I can, I can finally activate my PAC number, which I would assume is like some prison contact number, prisoner contact number. So she had to set up a little voicemail and everything. And she says, quote, the only way I can make a telephone call to the outside world is by activating my PAC number. It seems as though Jen got her PAC number pretty quickly. Like she got in and then took a nap and then they were like, well, here's your number. Um, I would assume it's not that easy for people in normal prisons. This is kind of a quote unquote luxury prison. I don't really care. I don't really care what Jen's going through in prison simply because I know that she's in a nice one. The things I care about for the people who are in prison, I care that they're not being beat up. I care that they're treated like humans. I mean, do the time, all that. We don't need any human rights violations. That's ridiculous. I'm not worried about that happening here to Miss Jen Shaw. And if she does, then I'll, I'll read that journal entry and we'll start a protest. But until then, Jen, you hurt a lot of people. You hurt a lot of people who probably cried more than you did on your way to prison because you had people who literally thought about killing themselves and Jen says she's had the same feelings too, so I know she knows that that's not just something to joke about. But you know, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. You stole from people, so enjoy your time with Special K. And I'm sorry about your wheat bread. I'm sorry, it wasn't better. You need to get a mug. In conclusion, everyone is fucking nuts. The world has gone absolutely haywire and everything that's going on in Bravo right now is just, it's just, it's a lot. I'm here to keep you guys updated. I'm here to stay updated. Follow me on Instagram for up-to-date information. I can't always get on the mic right away, but I can pretty much always get on the Instagram right away. So follow me there for more up-to-date information. Shop for some merch on AllegedlyBravo.com and make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe. If you subscribe, you can stay up to date on all these episodes and giving me a five-star rating really, really, really helps me out. So thank you guys so much for listening and I'll talk to you next week. Allegedly Bravo podcast is hosted, produced, and researched by Lauren Peavy House. Allegedly Bravo is available anywhere you listen to podcasts and cannot be copied or rebroadcast without consent. Don't forget to rate review and subscribe. It really helps me out. This podcast is made available by the lawyer or legal expert for educational purposes only, as well as to give you general information and a general understanding of the law, not to provide specific legal advice. By listening to this podcast, you understand that there's no attorney-client relationship between you and the podcast publisher. Allegedly Bravo podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice from a licensed professional attorney in your state. Got it?